Welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast with your host, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. This week in preparation for Sabbath July 16th, we look at Lesson 3, The Birdcage. Together, let's see how Jesus Christ releases us to freedom in His might and power. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at Southwestern Adventist University. We love learning and sharing God's Word, and together we have 18 years of pastoral experience, and now we have the privilege to dig deeper into this study. All right, here we are, Lesson 3, The Birdcage, and I'm going to read the quote that, uh, from Ministry of Healing that's attached to this after we read 1 Peter 1, verse 6. Uh, this says, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if you need be, you have been grieved by various trials. If need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Uh, and the reason why this, um, this lesson is entitled The Birdcage uh, is because the principal contributor brings out Ministry of Healing, page 472, and the full light of day and the hearing of music of other voices, the caged bird will not sing the song that his master seeks to teach him. He learns uh, a snatch of this and a trill of that, but never a separate or entire melody. But the master covers the cage and places it where the bird will listen to the one song he is to sing. In the dark, he tries and tries again to sing that song until it is learned, and he breaks forth from it in perfect melody. And the bird is brought forth, and ever after, he can sing the song in the light. Thus, God deals with his children. He has a song to teach us. And where we have learned it amid the shadows of affliction, we can sing it ever afterward. And so in the birdcage, sometimes the darkness that veils us is actually the, the, the light uh, that, that is shined, that actually shines forth. It actually teaches us a lesson, Michael. Well, I, I'm so glad to know uh, what I was doing wrong because we had a lovely parallette and just never really could sing for us. And apparently uh, I needed to teach a song and cover that birdcage. <laughs> <laughs> See, we, we learned something new, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Michael, tell us about the veil of the promised land via a dead end. Yeah, so here we are diving in with this, not only a birdcage, but looking at the children of Israel, ancient Israel, that found themselves in a birdcage. In other words, they found themselves trapped. Uh -oh. And uh, I, I think this is interesting because I, I'm just reading Mark Knoll's new book on the history of the Bible, just came out. And um, he talks about how in early America, all religious groups were comparing themselves to the ancient children of Israel. Um, yeah. So there's this uh, sort of pattern. So it shouldn't surprise us that our early Adventist pioneers saw themselves in the same kind of light, the quote that you just read by Ellen White, right? Yes, so, sir. Um, and so here we see this kind of um, example of, of the children of Israel. And I think this is probably one of my favorite parts of the story where uh, God <clears throat> saves them. There's the plagues. It's almost like the children of Israel are incredulous that, you know, they can't believe that they've actually been saved. And, and now they're being told to just leave. And the Egyptians have second thoughts and they chase them off into the desert. Right. Uh, right, but, right. but one of the things that's, that's really quite um, uh, interesting is that it's quite clear from the description in here in Exodus 13 and 14 that they weren't going the fastest route. They were going the slow route. And so as God was leading them, uh, as they follow the cloud, the pillar 
uh, that would guide them that uh, they're going not the fast way, but the slow way. And uh, in fact, it's not just the slow way. <laughs> it's a dead end. There's, yes, it is. What, what do you do? You know, there's no bridge there, Buster. No, there's only uh, trust. Ah. Yeah. Exactly. So there's the sea and there's the mountains and there they are trapped yeah. between with the Egyptians um, following after them. And when they see that this is this is uh, happening, um, they are, and for good reason, you know, Egypt at that time was the, the strongest military force in the world. Uh, and <clears throat> with all of their chariots and everything else, they come after um, the Israelites. Verse 9, verse 9 of chapter 14 says that uh, the Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen and troops uh -oh. pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea and uh, Pihahirath um, as opposed to Baal Zephon. And so as, and I'll read verse 10, as Pharaoh approached, and I'll, I'll just, uh, it says that they were terrified and cried out to the Lord. Uh, so yeah, this is, this is a dead end. This is a seeming um, a trap, if you please, where it seems, you know, what, what, you know, and they're starting to even complain, which will be a, a, a perpetual theme with with ancient Israel as well, but kind of like I think the story here where God puts us in impossible situations so He can teach us as you as you mentioned, Buster, so that we can learn to trust, that we can um, see God's hand right. at work, and um, and so yeah, this is this is a big part of this story. And then verse thirty one, what could they learn from this? Right, verse thirty one. And it says that, and when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord. And again, feared means the sense of respect, right? Ah, so, worship, yes. Ah, yeah. Uh, they feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. So they had Amen. been saved. They were able to cross the sea. Uh, definitely nothing that they could have done to have saved themselves, but yet God provided a way, literally a way through through the sea to the other side. So this is um, really quite one of the, the great stories, the great miracles of, of Scripture. But that's not the end of their story. They're going to find other impossible situations. Yes, and, they are. Uh, you know, there's, there's one thing to be chased by Pharaoh's soldiers, but it's quite another to actually <laughs> be thirsty, right, Buster? Yes, yes, it is. But tell us about the bitter waters. Yeah, you know, Michael, as you're, you're moving forth there, I, I think it's just important to remind the listeners that mm -hmm. the children of Israel couldn't see the bridge. They couldn't see the end. They couldn't see how they're yeah. going to help. And at mm -hmm. the end of the day, all they had was trust in the Lord. And yeah, they trusted in his servant Moses, but it's more so in what Moses represented. And uh, who are we representing? Uh, mm -hmm. What can people see in us? Because oftentimes we can't see it, but our trust, even if we can see, we are we're called to always trust in the Lord, which, which brings us to Exodus 17, verse 1. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from, the pla uh, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at uh, Rephidim, uh, excuse me, but there was no water for the people to drink. Can we find out verse 7? that Moses is commanded to strike the rock and water comes out and they have water to drink. But the lesson makes this correlation as well to uh, Exodus chapter 15, where they camped at Marah and the water was bitter. Mm 
And Moses was used by the Lord there to make the water bittersweet, right? Uh, so mm -hmm. it went from bitter into sweet. And all the while, once again, they're learning that, yes, they can complain. And yes, they can do all these different things. But if they trust in the Lord, he's going to take care of them. And throughout their entire journey, that's what he's trying to teach them. Trust me and I will take care of you. And they oftentimes mm. said, no, thanks, God. We got this. Uh, it's mm -hmm. easier to complain, uh, but it's har harder to proclaim. And that's mm. what we as believers are called to do is, is take out time when our waters are bitter, when our wells have dr uh, dried up, to mm -hmm. trust in the Lord and proclaim his name and say, like Job, um, the Lord gives and the Lord take it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Right. Uh, that kind of maturity uh, takes 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 a lifetime of, of practice it takes a lifetime of trust and so hopefully the bitter waters and the dried up waters um eventually they call this place uh, masa <clears throat> which is the children were in contention with the lord uh because they didn't trust him they said mm -hmm. god you keep bringing us through these different things not recognizing that these things were actually making them stronger and building their trust in him so hopefully uh these cycles aren't repeating themselves in our own lives, but mm -hmm. we're learning every step of the way that God can only be trusted, but he is the one who's actually leading us and he never leads us astray. And so, uh, Michael, that brings us to the great controversy in the desert. Tell us about that. Yeah. So we have Christ and his wilderness experience where he is for 40 days. So we're kind of fast forwarding all the way to the Messiah, to the, to the life of Christ himself Yes, and a beautiful story, challenging story right at the beginning and uh, of his public ministry where uh, Jesus, it says in chapter four of uh, Luke, says that he was full of the spirit. He left the Jordan, was led by the spirit into the wilderness, the Negev, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil and he ate nothing during those days. And at the end of them, he was he was hungry. So I, I've never tried to fast for 40 days, Buster. I'm not one of those <laughs> fasters. I, I have to actually have juice. I have a high metabolism. So like I try to fast and then I just like pass out. Yes, sir. So I'm, I'm just one of these. And uh, so I, I could never I could never do this. But uh, this is quite incredible how Christ is there at the end of this and how famished he must have been. And, and it's intriguing because we're talking about the crucible. We're talking about the crucible of temptation, things like this. And as you mentioned, Buster, it's all about trust, trusting God. And in this case, the son of God, trusting his father and his word. And um, it should not surprise us either that the devil comes to tempt him, misquoting scripture. Yes. If you are the son of God, tell the stone to become bread. And Jesus, he, he, he forgot that he is the word. <laughs> exactly. And Jesus quotes scripture back in context. So here we have the importance of correctly understanding scripture, Jesus modeling that for us. Right. Uh, but but not conveniently proof texting for our own personal benefit and needs. And so and, do, do we do we, do we dare say this is the first example of the uh, prosperity gospel versus the true gospel? <laughs> yeah, right, Buster. Right. I mean, isn't yeah. that that that's, you know, it's this kind of convenient uh, making the word of God into it, it's not about benefiting us personally. It's about trusting God and being in relationship with him. There we go. Yeah. Um, and and so here we have this this string of temptations, but it's it's really trust or, or, or challenging 
um, Jesus Christ's uh, willingness to trust his father, to mm-hmm. provide for him, to take care of him, and in tempting him in ways that were not tempted, right? Um, these are things that uh, I can't do, <laughs> no matter how hard I try. Um, I don't have the temptation of turning stones into bread, uh, but yet Christ did. And these kind of ultimate temptations, Jesus uh, demonstrates that he will trust his father. And that's that's go. just part of the beautiful thing. And, and when we face whatever temptations that we will, whatever our wilderness that we might be experiencing, whatever challenges, uh, we're invited to follow the example of Christ in trusting well, trusting him. Amen. Um, that he will, and it says right at the end, um, when the devil had finished his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. So just because he was tempted doesn't mean that he wouldn't be tempted again. And so we shouldn't expect that we won't be tempted, at least not here on this earth, until we're glorified at the second coming of Christ. And Amen. there's an end to sin and all of this, this craziness here on earth. Agreed, Michael. Um You know, as temptations come, uh, making sure that our hearts are filled with the word, but Mm -hmm. uh, the spirit can't put, uh, can't draw out of us what's not in us. And so Mm -hmm. that's why we are people of the book. That's why Mm -hmm. it's so important for us to study. That's why it's so important for us. I'm sorry, uh, because I'm a preacher, for us not to rely on sermons, right? My sermons Mm -hmm. can only get you so far, but the word of God is living, sharper than any any two-edged sword. And so if it lives in you, dwells in you, then it will actually be drawn out of you by the Holy Spirit, uh, especially in a time when we're weary in due season, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So um, coming back to our lesson here, you know, an enduring legacy, uh, Pastor Peter, I think he's got some advice for us too. Yes. Uh, so I'm going to read verses six through nine in the contemporary English version. It's a beautiful text. Uh, It says, on that day, you will be glad, even if you have to go through uh, many hard trials for a while. Your faith will be like gold that has been tested in a fire, and these trials will prove that your faith is worth much more than gold that can be destroyed. They will show you that uh, they will show that you will be given praise and honor when the glory uh, and glory when Jesus Christ returns. You have seen Jesus and you don't see him now. But still, you, ha- uh, you love him and have faith in him, and no words can tell, how glad, uh, can tell how glad and happy you are to be saved. That's why you have faith. That's why we mm. have faith, Michael. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it asks a simple question. It says, what does Peter mean by saying that they are exiles and scattered? How might mm-hmm. that add to their trials? Well, this is the diaspora, right? This is people mm-hmm. that because of their faith, they're being ran around all around the world. But as a result of that, because of how they're living, people are being added to the faith. And so as they're running and are exiled, uh, the promise is low, uh, not low. I will cause you never have to have to leave. It's low. I will be with you always. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we see that God is with them. And while he's going, going with them, he's actually improving their lives, but also improving their characters because as they're running, they're learning to trust in him more and more, uh, mm. just like we talked about earlier in the lesson. And mm-hmm. so uh, the ultimate assurance that Peter is talking about is when Jesus Christ once again comes to the clouds of glory. But not only that, there's something that's happening right now, not only when Christ returns, but verse eight, 
you have, you have never seen Jesus and you don't see him now, but you still, uh, but still you love him and have faith in him and no words can tell how glad and happy you are to be saved. So even though we don't see him, we love him and we have faith in him. And that is actually one of the best fruits that we can have, which is our faith that is mm. never ending, never failing, always holding on to Jesus Christ. So I'm praying that we're doing just that. And mm -hmm. so now, Michaels, tell us about trial by fire. So in Thursday's lesson, it's talking about the story of Alex, who just goes through a whole huge uh, assortment of terrible trials. And it just seems like all kinds of setbacks and one thing after the other. And basically, it's asking the question, um, was his Christian experience a mistake? Mm. You know, so basically, here's a guy that's in the crucible, basically what we've been talking about. And what advice would you have for him? There's several scripture texts that are mentioned, but since it's asking and Buster, feel free to chime in here. But um, the <clears throat> thing that comes readily, first of all, to, to mind for me is uh, when we face temptations and trials, we need to trust God, as we've been talking about, I think, through this whole episode. But it doesn't mean that we stop. The children of Israel didn't stay there by the sea. No, they did not. In fact, God invited them a path of escape, a way of escape, um, and to go forward. And it's interesting, um, we have this uh, quote in Patriarchs and Prophets by Ellen White. But if you read the rest of that chapter, she talks about that next step, which was to go forward. And intriguingly, as I mentioned earlier, how the ancient Israel and this experience was kind of a model for a lot of early America and for early American religious groups. Um, the 19th century, the one of the most popular phrases that people had that they would uh, is this, you know, every every generation has different little catchphrases and words and different things that are that are popular at the time. Right. Right. Uh, and, and in the 19th century, one of those phrases was go forward. It was the West, you know, go West, young man. Um, get your piece of 40 acres or whatever, you know, this, these proverbial kinds of, so there's this mantra of, of adventure, ad, uh, the mantra of the, following this experience of ancient Israel to the promised land, to the, to new areas, new lands, new prosperity, potentially. Um, and so, well, it might says, be the Chapler muscular Adventism, but oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> muscular Christianity, I should say. <laughs> well, there's, there's always that danger, too, right? Yes, there is. Sorry. <laughs> too, too much. Yes. Uh, but the 19th century, go forward. And Ellen White says that was the, the, the word, the watchword of the ancient Israel go forward. And, uh, and I, I think there's something to that with our Christian experience. When we face trials and temptations and setbacks, we need to go forward uh, trusting in Christ. And Amen. Two, two of the verses, Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And, and it doesn't give any list of, of contingencies, Buster. It doesn't say when you're good enough, when you feel like it, when you've accomplished a certain number of things. It, it's talking about a genuine, authentic surrender of one's heart. And, and I think that's just beautiful. Um, and then Romans 8, 28, which has got to be one of my all-time favorite Bible passages that God works um, for good, um, all things to those who love him and who've been called according to his purpose. And so uh, whatever trials we have may not seem very pleasant at the time, right. but God calls us to go forward. 
Well, you know, Michael, as, as um, you were reading Jeremiah 29, 13, mm-hmm. it goes in perfectly with this lesson because yeah. sometimes we get that and we get the warm fuzzies. But what he's promising there is I, I'm going to, uh, you know, when you seek, seek for me and search for me with all your heart. But then he also mm-hmm. is saying later on, I'm going to cause you to be carried away captive. But don't worry, I'm still going to be with you. Mm-hmm. Um, you're being carried away captive is actually for your good because mm-hmm. it was there that you'll learn to distrust yourself and learn to trust in me. And I, I think sometimes in this life, I know for, for a fact myself, I can learn to trust myself quite often. And mm-hmm. it's led to, it's led to uh, backsliding. It's led to so many different things, but the more I learn to trust in the Lord, it's led me to be kinder, compassionate, uh, it's led me to be filled with the fruit of the spirit rather than fruit of pride and, and self. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I'm, I'm glad for this, uh, this lesson and make the practical application there for Alex, but we also want to make it practical for our, for our listeners, continue in the Lord, continue to trust in him, no matter what various trials you might be in. Absolutely. Um, God doesn't promise that we're going to be sitting on a cloud just uh uh, wafting our harp that that at least here on earth that that until that great and glorious day when he comes um, and there is we live in a sinful world there there will be um, setbacks there will be trials there will be temptations we will be in that crucible but like that bird in the cage it's for a greater purpose because God loves us he wants to see us grow he, he cares about each and every one of us amen well well Michael um before we end here, as we're going through this lesson, especially with the lesson of the, of the bird cage, mm-hmm. uh, it reminds me of page 50 in our Adventist hymnal, Abide With Me. I'm just going to read the first verse there. Abide with me, fast falls the eventide. The darkness deepens, Lord with me abide. When other helpers fail and comforts flee, help of the helpless, oh, abide with me. That's going to be one of my favorite hymns. I love that, Buster. Yes. I think there probably isn't a better way to conclude this episode than just to reflect on those words. Amen. Amen. Well, we'll put a wrap for another week. So this is Sue. And Swoops. Signing, signing out. out. As we put a wrap on this week's lesson, this is Campbell Swoops signing off. By the way, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors, the Southwestern Union of Seventh-day Adventists and Southwestern Adventist University, which has for over 125 years provided a Christ-centered education just 20 minutes south of Fort Worth, Texas. We love teaching with personal colleagues, offer quality academics, and provide numerous ways to get involved both on campus and across the globe. To learn more, visit swau.edu or check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Also, be sure to join us again next week as we continue to explore God's Word. You can make sure not to miss an episode by joining us at sabbathschoolrescue.org.